0: You take out your Bibles and turn to chapter eleven of luke 's Gospel. Jesus has now come to jerusalem he 's facing real opposition up to this point there 's been little smatterings of opposition. Jesus is now going to be confronted uh, by the religious leadership of the of the sanhedrin the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and it it gets worse and worse and worse from here. But there are some really important lessons to be learned in these next verses because an unpardonable suggestion is made, a suggestion that Jesus is actually demonic. Uh, I had a conversation uh, via uh, instant message a couple of days ago, and this was the basic Suggestion that was being made that because church isn't like this, or church isn't like that, or one church is doing church this way and another church is doing church that way, that somehow one has to be demonic and the other one is of the Lord. There's only one Jesus, there's only one church, there's only one gospel. The church is God's people. It is not that building. Everybody understand what I'm saying? That building is not the church. You're the church. We are the church. And in that sense, Jesus is now going to instruct the church and he's going to correct a little bit of wrong thinking. And so I pray you're ministered to. I pray That maybe you came today and and you're thinking church is something else, prayer is something else, the gospel is something else. That the Lord would speak to us today and that the Lord would set us back on track. You see, we have the opportunity right now to shine. I believe as the church, none of this is ideal, though. I have to admit, I'm kind of enjoying the breeze and a little bit of sunshine and. All of those things. I know it's a little warm. It could be a lot warmer. Amen. Uh, my son, Austin, uh, ministers at a church in Palm Desert. It was 121 yesterday. So stop your whining. <laughs> amen. Yes, the 75 and the breeze, not bad. Okay. <laughs> Let's pray and ask God to speak to us through His Word. We'll pick up in verse 13 here in Luke 11. Father, Uh, We just rejoice that we can still meet together as your church. And so, God, we ask that you would take your word now and empower it by your Spirit. Spirit authored it, so, Lord, we're asking the Spirit to empower it. Holy Spirit, come and fill your people with with praise-filled hearts, hearts that are inclined to listen and understand what you would say to us today. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen now I don't think this personally pointed at any of you if you then being evil that's a pretty strong statement amen speaking to those that were confronting Jesus know how to give good gifts to your children in other words the example here is a human father we've just had Jesus instruct us on prayer that God is good and he is generous amen God is good and God is generous. Two Gs you can put down in the margin of your Bible. God is good and God is generous. If God is good and God is generous and you, who are evil, because let's face it, we human beings have some issues, amen, know how to give good gifts to your human children is another way to understand that. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now, I want to pose a question to you. Hopefully, you you all can answer it. If what is in view here is the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer, which it is, and everyone who is an actual believer has the Holy Spirit, and the chief gift that God wants to give is actually the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, if God is good and God is generous, and Jesus is now saying, You, as believers, are going to receive the Holy Spirit. How do you think that the church can end up completely divided? How do you think that the church can get so messed up? How do you think that we can end up fighting each other instead of blessing one another and loving on one another? I can tell you the answer to that we stop listening to the Holy Spirit. And we start listening to all kinds of things. And that could be everything from the gossip that's in our communities to, to the voices of your relatives when they come over and they've got some new tidbit of something they've got to share with you. Anytime it is contrary to what the Bible clearly teaches, we have a problem. That includes our politics That includes all of our individual views about certain things. When they contradict the work of the Holy Spirit, we're going down a bad road. And so Jesus is going to set us straight a little bit here. Because there's only one Holy Spirit, that Holy Spirit is God, and that Holy Spirit was given to you to indwell you the moment you said yes to Jesus. So we all have the same guidance system. And it's God's guidance system. He's speaking to us. Verse 14, And as he was casting out a demon, and it was mute, so it was, when the demon had gone out, that the mute spoke, and the multitudes marveled. But some of them said, He cast out demons by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons, and others, testing him, sought him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said to them, Church, underline this, please. Because like very few other times in our history, I think the church needs to stop arguing and start coming together for the right things, for the cause of the gospel, for the kingdom, for the sanctity of the word, for the power of prayer and praise. Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. That would include the kingdom of God. If the kingdom of God and the children of God are divided against themselves, ultimately we become waste or desolation. Why? Because there's exactly one church. Now, we're not talking about the expressions of the body of Christ. Church is, we're talking about the church. There's only one. There's only one group of people on this planet called the redeemed of the Lord. We've all been bought with the same blood, purchased at the same cross. Every one of us is in the same family. So if a kingdom is divided against itself, Jesus is saying, You're in trouble. How will this kingdom stand? Because you say, I cast out demons by Beelzebub. If I cast out demons by Beelzebub, the Lord of the flies, the Lord of desolation, actually the Jews believed it to be the Lord of the dunghill. By whom do your sons cast them out? Said, Look, we have a problem here. Therefore, if they be your judges... But if I cast out demons with the finger of God, then surely the kingdom of God has come to you. This unpardonable suggestion. Context is helpful here. Remember what Jesus said. Look, if any of you ask for bread from your father, is he going to give him a stone? A fish, going to give him a snake? An egg, going to give him a scorpion? You you see what Jesus is saying. Look, there's a difference between God and man. But if you being man know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more do you think the Holy Spirit in you is going to provide goodness in the body of Christ, in God's people? And I think this is so important for us today. Because I'm getting emails, I'm getting texts, I'm constantly seeing people who are, I believe, part of the body of Christ and they're shooting at another part of the body of Christ. They're they're in essence cannibalizing the one kingdom because there's only one kingdom to come. There's only one will to be done. It's expressed in all kinds of different ways, but we're all God's kids. And so Jesus is saying, look, we shouldn't be divided. This is some serious stuff that Jesus is pointing out here. The greatest gift that God gives us is his own son. The result of his own son being in us is the one and only Holy Spirit of God, also God, in us. That should make us very unified. If you're a husband and wife and you're both believers, you should be unified. There's only one spirit, same spirit's in you. If you're raising your children, you should raise your children in the spirit. As a church, we function in the spirit, we're empowered by the spirit. The spirit that works in uh, the Baptist Church just down the street is the same spirit that works in this church. There aren't two spirits; there's just one. How could that spirit do anything that's demonic? Is really the question here? How, how could how could God, in essence, be against Himself? And why would He be against Himself? And the simple answer is He's not against Himself he's not divided it is we silly human beings who divide the body of Christ it's we who find fault and so the Lord's going to expose now the the nonsense of this suggestion and he's going to point out some serious stuff and in it is kind of this concept of the unpardonable sin and we'll get to that more in chapter 12 we'll leave it alone for today but it's really essentially just the rejection of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Spirit that convicts us of sin and righteousness and brings Messiah, brings Jesus into our lives. You see, the seriousness of sin has to be evaluated based on who that sin is committed against in that sense. And because all sin is sin against God, when we sin, we are sinning against the highest authority in the universe, the top dog you see if you were in the military and you happen to be a soldier and maybe you and a and a fellow enlisted person get into a little bit of a scuffle and you kind of duke it out a little bit there's not going to be a whole lot of penalty for that probably your drill instructor is going to come and he's going to say you guys knock it off go give me 20 that's probably what's going to happen But if that same thing happens, and it happens to be against the drill instructor, well, there might be a little more severe penalty for that. If it's your commanding officer, it's going to even be worse. If it's against the general, it's going to even be worse, probably going to result in prison time. And if you did that same thing on the front lawn of the White House, you're probably going to get shot by the Secret Service. Why am I telling you that? Because every sin is a sin against the commanding officer of heaven. When we sin, we sin against God. And so we have to understand that it is severe when we cause people to stray from the gospel, when we cause them to disbelieve the Lord, when we cause them to not understand the truth of God's word because we ourselves are divided, the Holy Spirit isn't, but we are, we're sinning against the actual one who gives the commands in the first place, and that's God. That's why the Lord's Prayer, Thy will be done, thy kingdom come. Churches are so important for us today. The object of all of this is the one Holy Spirit that comes into each of our lives. And so in that sense, we have to be very careful what we say for God and certainly what we might say against God or against God's church, or against God's people. And I want to tell you, it's easy to get caught up in our little factions. There is so much news going on right now, and it's the headline stuff. And some of it involves the church. I'm asking you in Jesus' name, do not get involved in that speculatory thinking about the body of Christ. It is of no value whatsoever. It simply shames the name of the Lord. It does absolutely no good for the kingdom. And I believe it's a sin against God. So let's do what God has called us to do. And that is to represent the one true king. The one church that we're all a part of. The one Holy Spirit that speaks to all of us. That's why Jesus said, look, every sin, every blasphemy of men will be forgiven you. Matthew's gospel puts it there in chapter 12. It'll all be forgiven you, but when you go against God himself, there's no remedy for that. And so let's not divide the body of Christ by saying, well, you know, that church is of the devil. That church isn't doing it right. Right. Any church that sets out to, to, in essence, with its purpose to demean another church, we're not talking about false teaching, we're not talking about cults, but another Bible-believing church, when that church calls out other churches, it demeans the Lord. It shouldn't happen. Because it causes people who need to know Jesus to go, I'm not sure I want to be a part of that. It comes down to a state of heart, church. It comes down to a state of your heart, my heart. This religious leader was so calloused in his heart. Notice what's going on here. He's expressing in a couple of different ways how far off his heart is. How wrong his thinking is is another way to actually think on it. He attributes the miracles of the Lord to the workings of the devil. You know, to me, that we get to meet out here is kind of a miracle of the Lord. Because not every church gets to do this. We're blessed. You you see, sometimes we miss the little miracles because we're looking for bigger ones. We miss the simple things because we're looking for the grand things. We we miss the the minutiae because we're looking for the major points. And Jesus is really reminding us, look, check your own heart first. In this sense, they're saying, Jesus is the Lord of the flies. He's the God of the Echronites. He's the Lord of the dunghill. When when your heart gets so hard that Jesus is standing right in front of you and the word of God is speaking to you and you attribute it to something else, you've got a serious problem. You've got a serious heart condition. In essence, this man was saying, well, I think Jesus is demonic. And I want you to notice the next thing. It, it, It was not sufficient that Jesus is insulted here, that the Holy Spirit is insulted, that same spirit spirit of lawlessness because that's what it was. The same spirit of lawlessness and unbelief is expressed in this demand for a sign from heaven. It's like, "Well, if you're really of the Lord, then give us a sign from heaven." And Jesus says, "No, that's not going to happen. You already had a sign. Remember when I was born?" Remember the star in heaven that didn't move? That was a sign. When he dies, he's going to put out the light of the sun. There's all kinds of signs. You're a sign. Your changed life is a sign that Jesus is real. Amen? And so what happens is, when we start arguing and bickering and delving into these minor things that ultimately are going to be here today and gone tomorrow, we miss the big point. The big point is you've been left on the Earth to share the gospel with other people. You've been left on the earth to live a life that's pleasing the Lord so that other people will see Jesus and know He's real. But if we spend all of our time challenging the Word of God, if we spend all of our time challenging the will of God, if we challenge the ways of God, ultimately, the Lord is not visible in our lives. Everybody just sees our conflicts. They see our bickering. In order to illustrate this, Jesus basically says, man, you better be careful about talking trash about me. He says, every kingdom divided is going to be brought to desolation. A house divided against itself can't stand. In other words, Jesus is saying, look, What you guys are saying doesn't even make any sense if you want to actually look at it that way. How are you going to cast out? If I'm casting out demons by Beelzebub, where does that leave you? You It's always amazing to me, we deny what God says, but we somehow pick up that some man who's on this face of the earth has more authority than God himself. In other words, God's word clearly speaks, and some man says, well, you know, that's not what it means. When it plainly says what it says and means what it says. Jesus is saying, be very careful about what you say about what God has said. Jesus himself is confronting this whole mindset that has permeated our society, it's crept into the church. Well, I don't know about the Bible, but I know so and so said from the pulpit, and you know, he's got to be the word, last word on this. No, the Bible is the last word on godliness and life in Christ. What the Bible says is what we believe. The Bible itself, in its context, is true. That's where we go with these things. We just retreat to the Word of God and say, God, help us to understand your Word. The Lord follows this up with one of his amazing prophecies of what will happen. A parable, if you will, a story, an illustration. He says in verse 21 When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace. Now, I want you to get this his own palace, his own house, not the Lord's house, his house. His goods are in peace. But when one stronger than he comes upon him and overcomes him and he takes from him his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoils. Jesus is saying look there's someone who's above all of you. There's someone who's above all of us. The strong man in this little illustration, is the enemy. It's a devil. The devil's trying to guard his territory. The devil's trying to divide the church. In this case, the devil's palace is this world. He has a pretty strong grip on a lot of it, doesn't he? He's managed to convince people that God doesn't exist, or if he does exist, somehow he's just some hapless stooge that set the world in motion and empowered evolution so that we're all just simply highly evolved animals and it's really more important what you think than what God's word says you see there is a strong man and he's got a strong grip on this world but one who comes is stronger than him in this little parable the the goods here are the people that are under the sway of the enemy The enemy is guarding the territory he has and we will never take that territory from the enemy if we use the enemy's tactics. The enemy is the author of division. The enemy is the author of lies. The enemy is the author of confusion and we need to stop using the enemy's tool and start using the tools of the Lord, which is truth. Truth. Biblical truth, not political truth, biblical truth, not government, biblical truth. We need to turn to the Lord. We will never wrest those from Satan's grip who need Christ with worldly tools. It won't happen. And Jesus basically is saying, if you do things my way, Satan will retreat. He'll pack up and leave. But if you want to try and do things the world's way, it's never going to go good for you. So the Lord exposes kind of the the nature of this. And it comes across as who are you for and who are you against? It is an unpardonable suggestion for the church to be divided against itself. It is an unpardonable suggestion for the church to turn to the world for its ways and counsel. And so Jesus now says, it's going to boil down to, who are you for? Now It's interesting, another military analogy for you. One of the highest crimes you can commit in the military is, guess what? Treason. To commit treason, you will receive, if proven, a death sentence. You're gonna go spend a whole bunch of time in a military prison, and you're probably gonna lose your life for it eventually, if if the sentence is actually carried out. Why is that? Because that is saying you're for one side but working for the other. Amen. Why am I sharing that with you? Because if you're trying to be a Christian and you're using the world's ways, And you're using the world's tools, you are effectively a traitor. Now, I'm not trying to harm anyone's soul right now, but I am saying to you when God has an opinion on something, when He's spoken on it, when His word is clear, when we take up some other opinion, when we go some other direction, we are joining the enemy in His work. When we are the authors of division, When we divide the body of Christ, when when we start name-calling and name-pointing, say, well, you know, they're not from the Lord. We are helping the enemy. We are thereby exactly what Jesus is going to next address. Verse 23, he who is not with me is against me. That is a statement, by the way. Because he follows it up, and he who does not gather with me scatters. There's no in-between place. There isn't your kind of, sort of, for the Lord and kind of, sort of, for the world. You're either for him or against him. We're either part of the kingdom or not part of the kingdom. There's no, I'm kind of, sort of a Christian only on Sundays and Thursday nights. You're for Jesus or you're not for Jesus. You're either helping or you're hurting is another way to look at it. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes directly to dry places, seeking rest and finding none. He says, I will return to my house from which I came. Well, where's the house he came from? The enemy. The devil, demons. and when he comes and he finds it swept and put in order then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself and they enter and dwell there and the last state of that man is worse than the first notice what Jesus is saying here because he we need to be really careful because when there's a genuine work of the Lord the demonic things in our lives leave but they don't disappear That's why there's a temptation for you to wrestle with your flesh. That's why there's a temptation for people to be divisive against the body of Christ. That is why we have many of the problems in the church that we have because that demonic force didn't just disappear. It's still wandering around looking for somebody that it can infect. And church, we need to be wise about this. There is a grave temptation right now for the church to cannibalize itself. For us to not be on the same team. And it doesn't honor the Lord. There's no neutrality in any kind of war. And there's no neutrality in spiritual war. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's no neutrality in spiritual warfare. You're either for the Lord or you're not. Now you can try and be neutral, you can try and walk the line, you can try and stand on the top of the fence, but there's no neutrality. You're either for the Lord or you're not. You're either for him, Jesus said, or you're against him. And just because what was going on has left your house doesn't mean that it's not still seeking someone else's house. And you need to be part of solving the whole problem, not just the part in your life. That's why we preach the gospel. That's why we teach God's word. That's why we're doing what we're doing right now. That's why Jesus tells this parable. That's why he gives these principles. What a terrible picture this is. It's like this disembodied spirit wandering around looking for somebody to inhabit. That's the world we actually live in. And it's amazing to me how many Christians are blind to the fact that this world is filled with evil. And it comes in a lot of different forms. People sometimes say, well, you know, I don't understand why those people can't. Well, it's because there's evil in the world. The enemy's still alive and well. There's a battle going on in heavenly places. It's affecting you, it's affecting me, it's affecting us, it's affecting our country and our neighborhoods and the devil doesn't need any help Jesus wants our help and so let's not help the enemy you notice this this man that becomes infected by these seven spirits he's worse off than the poor guy that was originally infected when we help the enemy sometimes we compound the problem when we help the enemy sometimes we compound the problem The devil doesn't need any help doing his work in this world. When we help the enemy, sometimes we compound the problem. If I'm not loving and kind, if I'm not generous, if I'm not like God is, if I steer away from the truth of what God's word says and I go towards public opinion, anybody figured out that there's an awful lot of public opinion floating around in our country right now? You want a public opinion, you can go, you know, you can probably order a few dozen of them on Amazon. They'll come to your door tomorrow. You can, you know, pull them out and dwell on them. It's interesting to me as this, this wraps up Jesus to further illustrate this point. says something, and I, I don't intend to offend anyone today. If you have a background in Catholicism, this is going to be a little hard to hear, but it's from Jesus. There's only one God. He's in three persons. There's only one Savior. His name is Jesus. There's only one power source. It's the Holy Spirit. And those three are the ones to whom we pray. We pray to God the Father, through Christ the Son, empowered by the Holy Spirit. The Bible does not anywhere say, nowhere does it say, that we should be praying to or through anyone else, including Mary. Notice what Jesus says. Verse 27, And it happened as he spoke these things that a certain woman from the crowd raised her voice and said, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast that nursed you. It's a distraction. It's like, now here comes this lady that's coming in. It's like, well, let's, let, let's praise Mary. Let, let, let's speak about how great she is. Jesus is like, mm, no, not exactly. It was a compliment, to be sure, but it was also a distraction. Mary was a woman. She was born of man. She's not in any way, shape, or form holy. Great woman of the women of the earth, the greatest. But she's not the Savior. She's not the co-redemptrix. She is not to be prayed to. And Jesus basically takes this down right here and right now. You know, sometimes we start praying to our dead relatives, we start praying to the saints, we start praying to Mary, we start praying to doorknobs, we start praying to everything. You have access to the true and the living God through Christ the Son. Not only does the Bible absolutely not tell you to pray through anyone else, it actually says to do so is sin. One of the things that's always been tough to deal with for me personally, is I don't want to, for a moment, think that anyone thinks that I think that, that Mary was evil, or that Mary wasn't wonderful, or that she wasn't the, the blessed mother of Jesus, the Bible also says that, but it does not anywhere follow it up with, and oh, by the way, she's the co-redemptrix, she, she helped Jesus. She's the mother of heaven. She's not the mother of heaven. She's the physical mother of Jesus. That's all she is. She's not the queen of heaven. She's not the immaculate lady. She's not God. She has no innate holiness within her, no more than you do. And neither does any saint. Every saint that's ever died, also a human being born with the same sin nature as everyone else. They don't have any more power to go to God than you do. And so be careful. I had a lady come to me and she said, well, you know, I just, I just love praying the rosary. And I asked her to explain, you know, what she thought that meant. And She was talking to me about the decades and the Our Father beads and the Hail Mary beads. And I said, you know what's something that strikes me? There's 10 times as many... Hail Mary beads as there are our Father beads. Why is that? Well, because she's the Queen of Heaven. I said, can you find that verse for me? Strangely enough, she couldn't find it. Because it's not there. It doesn't exist. Brothers and sisters, when you pray, you can go straight to God's door. Amen? You can... Talk to God. Jesus answers this. This woman's amen. This woman is in the crowd and says, oh yeah, and by the way, bless Mary. What does Jesus say? But he said, Jesus said, more than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. it he dismisses that thought instantaneously. He says, and and just for reference, in, in Revelation chapter 19, the apostle John is receiving the revelation from Jesus, by the way, an angel's delivering it to him, and, and John decides, you know, this is so awesome, I'm going to fall down and worship the angel. That angel says, as John falls at the feet, he said to him, do not do that. Now this is an angel from heaven, one who's dwelled perpetually in the presence of God since his creation, I am a fellow servant of yours, your brethren, who hold the testimony of Jesus, worship God. Church, what's all this point to? It points to the centrality of the good news of the gospel. It points to the centrality of the power of God the living word of God and the supremacy of God himself it doesn't point to the church as the answer it points to God as the answer it points to Jesus as the methodology of how we even get to talk to God in the first place it gives us a clear path to God and it is direct I have no more ability to speak to God than you do, as any other believer. If you are the saved, you're the redeemed of the Lord, you can talk to God personally. You don't need me to do it for you. You don't need a departed saint to intercede for you. We need to get this right. Because what happens is we start to give credit to saints or we give credit to Mary or we give credit to our church or we give credit to our pastor or we give credit to our way of ministry or we give credit to something else. The moment we give credit to something else, we take credit away from Jesus. And we want to give all the credit to Jesus. The only reason we're doing what we're doing today is because Christ died for us, amen? Amen? Let's get that right. church. It's, the church needs to stand right now united as the body of Christ. We're the body of Christ. And if we'll show the world what it really looks like to be God's kids, then I believe this time can be used of the Lord for great things. But if we pick, if we divide amongst ourselves, we start saying, well, they're of the devil. I don't believe the Lord's going to receive the glory for that. I think then it starts to be about which church is the better church. Any church that preaches the name of Jesus, the one true gospel, teaches the word of God, is the Church. Let's just be that church. Church that loves Jesus. Amen? Would you stand with me and we'll close in prayer. If you're watching online, if you're here today and you don't know the Lord, we want to make sure that you know that Jesus loves you. That he is the only way, and the only truth, the only life. That what he did on Calvary's cross paved the way for us to have a right relationship with God the Father through Christ the Son. If we'll believe in his name, we'll be saved. And so our ushers and greeters that are at the exits, our team online, would be delighted to pray with you personally, but I want to pray with us today that, that we would live gospel lives, that our lives would count for the King. At no time in human history can I think of a time when there's one thing we all need to be standing on, and that is standing on the Word of God and for the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you, or we thank you, that there's only one gospel, and that gospel is very simple. We believe, Father God, that you sent your only begotten Son into this world, that the world through him would be saved, and by believing in him, by recognizing what he did on Calvary's cross, that you, Jesus, gave your life in our place on that cross. And then if we will accept the sacrifice that was made for us and believe that you died a sinless death, no sin in you, Lord. The sin was mine. sin was ours that you were raised three days later by the power of God and that those that believe in you will forever be your children by the power of your grace. Lord, ask that you'd give faith to believe to anyone who's listening right now or as they invite you in to be Savior. And Lord, that you would indwell them with the Holy Spirit, convict them of what needs to change. And Lord, for us as a church, Help us to not be ministers of anything other than the gospel, bearers of your image, sharers of your word. We ask these things in the name of Jesus and God's people all said, Amen. Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.